This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, all our Torah Anytime viewers. Uh, we are doing the second class in the, uh, reincarnation. I'll give a quick recap on what we spoke about the first class. The first uh, shear was really it was focused on understanding the difference, what the way the science sees reincarnation and the way that the Torah view sees reincarnation. And for the majority of the part of the shear, I was uh, I was proving how. Science actually does, you know, obviously there's conflicting views, but science does have a majority, uh, you know, people of them holding, or at least not, not even a majority, but a large percentage of people, scientists, psychiatrists, uh, uh, what was it, physicists also, that do believe in reincarnation, and we brought some proofs on how they went about proving that, uh, that idea. So uh, we also spoke about the different, you know, uh, what happens after a person dies, and the process of what happens after a person dies, and the options that a person could go to, reincarnation being one of them. Very briefly, one of them uh, is, obviously the most famous one is heaven or hell. Then you have uh, the. There's another option of just it's kafakela, which is staying in the in between worlds. Not over here, not over there. A very very painful experience. Uh, and then we had also reincarnation, and that is our our focus on the reincarnation. So today's uh, today's. Uh, focus is going to be what is the purpose of reincarnation? Why do we get reincarnated, and and how do we know that we are reincarnated? Okay, so we'll begin with, uh, this happens to be, this is one of the reasons why I find this topic so fascinating. And not only so fascinating, it's, it's, besides the fact that it's an entertaining topic, it's a topic that helps you answer a lot of life's questions. People always have questions in life, why this? Why am I born this way to this family? Why do I look this way and not like that? So reincarnation answers a lot of these questions. Now, the, um, there are, Generally speaking, there are Jews usually come back as Jews. Gentiles usually come back as Gentiles. But that is not always the case. There are sometimes, and we'll see that in the last class, there are certain things that a person can do that make them come back either as a non-Jew or as an animal. And we'll speak about certain sins that make that uh, happen. Now, the... Um, the idea is, is uh, the reason why this answers a lot of questions is that, is that you have, let's say, somebody who is, uh, um, you know, let's say, for speak, let's say we speak to girls. So there's a woman that is very pretty, and she has a friend that is, uh, you know, atrocious. And this, you know, like, you know, 750 pounds, and she's growing a beard, and she has everything that's, that's not what a woman really wants. And she goes and she says, it's not fair. She says, how come I look this way and my friend looks that way? So... The idea is is that you get what you need to fulfill in your life. There are certain people that have certain tasks that they need to complete in their life. You are given those tools to complete those tasks. So for example, if a woman would have a test to, of modesty, which means she has to go and she has to be modest, and that is how she passes her test. So God will make it difficult for her to be modest. It will be something that she has to pass. This 750-pound bearded woman it doesn't want to show her, her, herself off in public because she's embarrassed of it. She doesn't want to. So, but this, this other woman who is very pretty would want to show herself off. So it's a test for one person. At the same time, it's not a test for the other person. So that is the idea behind it. You get what you need to accomplish for. And the same idea is if you think about it in, in the money term. Money, for example, if somebody is supposed to have a, his test in life is that he has to give a lot of charity. Now, what happens if he doesn't have any money? If he doesn't have any money, then how is he supposed to actually give money to charity? He's going to go out after 120 and he's going to say, you know, I gave, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to give charity. And he's going to say, what, what charity am I supposed to give for? I didn't have money to put bread on the table. So the test would be for him, it would be only if he has a lot of money, then he has a test of giving to charity. Now, 
it could be that uh, you know sometimes somebody could come back with zero money because in the previous life they had money and they didn't use it properly. So their rectification is to come back and live a life without money. On the other hand, it could be that they'll have a lot of money and the sole purpose of them having a lot of money is to give to tzedakah, is to give to charity. So you get what you need to. And that's why when you look at it, you say, okay, some, some people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Other people are born with good looks. Other people are, are born with the ability to speak. Other people are born with different character traits. The idea is you get what you need to. Now, the, the, the biggest proof of this is that you can have three twins and they come out and uh, let's say, you know, once they start presenting their own character traits, let's say by the age of two. So you see one kid is an extremely, extremely angry kid. Gets angry at everything. Then you have the other twin, the other triplet is, uh, did I say twins? I meant triplets. The three uh, the, uh, triplets that come out. One gets a very angry. One is very generous. Just wants to give everything away. You know, he gets a bag of popcorn. He takes one and he gives the rest away. And then you have the third, the third uh, triplet is completely, completely stingy. Now... You look at it and be like, how is this possible? There's three kids, come from the same family, born at the same time. How is it possible that one's angry, one's, uh, one, one is stingy, and one is generous? And the idea is it depends what they, what they messed up in the previous life. If they came back, if this little kid, that he's, you know, he, he's, he's a very angry personality, it's very likely that in a previous life, he had this anger issue that wasn't dealt with, and he has to come back and fix it. Now, how is he going to fix it? He's going to have the same issues that he left with when the last time he was here. So he'll have anger, and he has to overcome it. And the other kid will have, uh, you know, generosity, because, you know, that's the way he was before he left the world, and that's why he came back. And the third kid is very stingy. He very, was very stingy when he died, and hence, when he comes back, he is going to come back as a stingy uh, character trait and he has to overcome it. So you get what you need to pass your test in this, in, in this world. Now, uh, when you think of, people think of, of reincarnation as a punishment. It's sort of like you messed up and generally speaking, the majority of people have been here before. So we've all been in this world before, somehow messed it up and that's why we're back here again. Most likely, 90% of the people that are back here are usually because they messed it up. So we're back here because we messed it up. Now, you think of it as a punishment. But instead of looking at it as a punishment, look at it as an opportunity and what I could do to accomplish and fix myself. That's why the, the numerical value, the gematria of Gilgul is 72, which is the same as chesed, which is kindness, which is also 72. There are many times where... where uh, you know, there's a phenomenon, uh, I don't know if you call it a phenomenon, but it's a thing called deja vu, where you're in a certain situation, you're speaking to a certain person, in a certain place, at a certain time, and you're like, this happened to me before, I remember this. The idea by, uh, behind that is that it's also possible that it, it could be that you each met in a previous lifetime in a similar situation. The idea is, is that when people come back, they come back looking very similar to the way that they uh, died in the previous life. Now, it doesn't mean obviously that the, the you know, baby is going to come back looking like an old man, but it's going to come back with, this, with the very similar features. And uh, like we said before, the same personality traits. This is, this, uh, this is why sometimes you, know, you meet people and you're like, I know you, uh, we've done this before. And the answer is it's very likely you've met in a previous life. And not only that, it, it could also work in a uh, dating scene. You're dating a girl or a girl dating a guy and you get a very, this like, uh, you know, type of, uh, you know, connection that you see sparks right in the beginning. But then the sparks die out within like a date or two. And you're like, what was going on? And the answer, one possibility is that it's possible that both of you met in a previous life. And those sparks are just igniting. You don't remember your previous life. 
But your soul does, and her soul does. So you, it, it ignites something. But if it dies out quickly, it's very likely that it was just a, it was just some so, some sort of fling that had to just uh, you had to meet together, and that and that was the end of it. So there are very times, and this is an example what the Rambam, the, the way, how does the Rambam says it's complete shuvah? A complete shuvah says the Rambam is if you're in the same situation, with the same woman, with the same temptation, at the same time, with the same everything, and you overcome it. And that's the idea of reincarnation. You get put in the same place, in the same issues, in the same desires, and you have to overcome it, and that's your, and that's how you get the, um, rectified. Um, there is, there was a uh, rabbi in, uh, in Jerusalem. He was giving a, a, a class on ethics and medicine. And in the in the class, there was a, there was a doctor there that came over to speak to the rabbi after the class, and he said, and he said, listen, I have a, a question for you that's been troubling me. And he said, last night I had I had a dream. And he says, let me give you a you know a little background behind before this dream. He says, I you know he works as a doctor in some sort of an oncology oncology uh, unit. He's an oncologist, and uh, there was a person there that has no family members. He's been on like life support for like months, and he's literally like completely suffering and pain. He's just laying there. And ordinarily, you know, you would go ask the family member, do you want to pull the plug? Do you want to, you know, he's just suffering. There's no point. Interesting, interesting halakha question though. Uh, are you allowed to do that and how and when can you do that? But this, uh, this doctor saw, this, fa- this guy had no family members. So he said, listen, he says, as a doctor, he was able to sign it off and pull the plug. He said, this guy is suffering. He thought of it as, as he's doing a good deed. And he signs, he signs all the papers and he pulls the plug and the guy dies that day. He goes to sleep that night. And he has a dream. And this dream, this old man comes to him. And he says, what did you do to me? So he says, who are you? He says, he says, you're the guy who killed me today. He says, I didn't kill anybody today. So the old man in the dream says, you, you brought me, you, you pulled my plug. He says, uh, he says, I was doing you a favor. So this old man started screaming him a favor. He says, I had 11 more days in this world that I had to suffer and I would be cleansed. He says, 11 more days, you stole, my, you stole 11 days of rectification from me. I had 11 days of suffering left over here and you took it away. And the guy with the doctor wakes up with a sweat. And then he realizes it was a dream. So he's like, ah, you know what? Like most people say, it's just a dream. And he goes back to sleep. The doctor comes back, the, this old man comes back to him again in a dream. And he says, I am calling you to the, to the upper courts, to the court in heaven. Something you never want to hear in a dream, right? I'm calling you to the, to the heavenly court. So the guy says, uh, he says, what do you want from me? And the guy repeated again the same dream. He says, you stole 11 days of my life of rectification. And it came a third time. It came a third time to this, after the guy woke up, went back to sleep, and it came a final time. He says, he couldn't sleep the rest of the night, and he says, you know, that something is, is, you know, it's bothering him. He went and he decided the next day he saw, he, as he was, as he was opening the paper, he saw there was an ad for a, uh, class on medicine and ethics. He says, perfect. He says, this is how, so he goes, he goes over to the rabbi and says, this is my situation, what am I supposed to do? So the rabbi tells him this, you know, different things, ideas of, of uh, tikkunim that he has to do, and he set him off. But the idea is, is that nothing happens for, not, for, for nothing. There's a reason for everything. While people don't want to go to generally through these types of things, but there is a purpose for it and there's a reason for it. So the, um, the idea is, is that usually it's, it's very unfortunate that people, when do people change? When the, you can sit over here, the, the, there are people that uh, usually change when bad things happen. I'll give you an example. Um, there was uh, there was somebody who called me a few months back, and he asked me. He had a certain question. His uh, he doesn't. He's not a shomer shabbos. He doesn't keep anything. And um, he his father his his uh, parent. I don't remember if it was a father or mother passed away. So he was asking me regarding certain questions that you could do. You know, as in that situation. So after I answered that, I, I started asking him, I'm like, listen, you keep Shabbos, you keep all these things? And he said no to everything. He basically doesn't do anything. So I said, listen, I'm saying, you're saying Kaddish for your father. He says, Kaddish will be worth so much more if you actually go and keep Shabbat. He says, I, I told him, I'm like, listen, this is your chance. This is this Shabbat, keep this Shabbat. Keep this Shabbat. 
And he started saying, I can't, listen, it's difficult. I said, listen, your father just passed away. Said, keep it, keep it for his memory. Do something for him. It's going to make the Kaddish worth so much more. And he said, fine. And at the end of the day, he agreed to it. But had I met this person on the street on a random day, I would no way have been able to convince him with two, three lines to start keeping Shabbat. Rather, I had to come when a person's suffering and a person struggles, then he, then he turns to God. And the idea is, is don't wait till suffering and struggle comes to you. Rather, go and preempt the suffering and go to, and go to, uh, uh, come to God closer. There was a line. I'm trying to, let's see if I can remember it. It's, um, there, uh, there's, uh, there's a line about suffering. And the idea was behind it is that God created the suffering so you should come to Him. And people just want to get rid of the suffering, but you could, the only way you can get rid of it is just by coming closer to God. There, um, the, the idea behind this also is that, you know, nothing happens for, for, for nothing. You know, people think when they see this world and you see someone suffering, you see a very small part of a movie. You don't see the full, you don't see the full picture. Imagine a guy walks into the hospital, never seen him, walks in from a third world country, walks into a hospital, in the hospital, he sees a, the, there's a guy in the operating table. And this guy in the operating table, and then you see a bunch of men with masks and gowns and blood everywhere, and they have like saws and this burning material, and the guy says, what are you guys doing, are you crazy? And they see the guy, they cut open his stomach and they start taking organs out, and there's like, you're killing this guy, what are you doing? And the guy says, what are you talking about killing? And the doctor says, I'm saving his life. He's like, you're saving a life. What are you talking about saving a life? You're cutting him open. And this is the idea. When you see someone suffering, it's you're walking into, you're walking, you're walking into the movie and, and halfway through, and you're like, why is that grandmother getting pushed down the stairs? So you want to know why she's getting pushed? Because she just murdered a whole family. That's why she's getting pushed down the stairs. And people see a full thing and they have so many questions. We don't have the full picture. When you, and that's the idea with, with reincarnation. Some people have a more difficult life than others. And one possible reason is it's, it's tikkunin for a previous reincarnation. And now, not saying that you that that it's doomed for that. You could do tshuva, and you could come closer to God, and you can get rid of those uh, of those issues. It says that um, it is written that Eov, uh, Job, was a reincarnation of Terach. Terach was uh, Abraham, Abraham's father. Now, why did Eov? In his, if you read the, Eov went through tremendous sufferings. He had power, money, fame, children, family. He had everything, and he lost everything. And after that, he lost his health also. So you look at it. What, what's going on? Why did he have to go through so many sufferings? So there are, there are, uh, I, I gave a class once, actually very, surprisingly a very popular class. Um, I guess I shouldn't say surprising, but it's 36 sins of karat, of, of things that you get cut off. These are 36 sins that even if you do tshuva, even if you do repentance, you still have to go through suffering in order to get, to get a cleanse. So there's, uh, and the Rambam speaks about it in the Hilchot Tshuva, there's four categories of sin. To get cleansed. In order to get, in order to remove the sin completely, even if you do tshuva, you still have to go through suffering. And there's 36 of these kinds of categories. It's it, it's called karat. One of these things, for example, is eating chametz on Pesach. You eat chametz on Pesach. Not only do you have to go and do tshuva on that, but even after you do tshuva, you still have to go through suffering. Another very very important one is not keeping Shabbat. Not keeping Shabbat is punishable by karat, which means is, and this is what I tell I tell people constantly. You know, dr- texting on Shabbat, driving on Shabbat. If you're doing something that, that, that you're not supposed to be doing on Shabbat, it's not worth it. Even, let's say you go and you, you have to go shopping and you have to buy this expensive suit. One day sale only, Saturday only, from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Only that time you could go. And you're like, you know what, I can't, I need this, I need the money. And you go and you go and you, and you save $1,500. You save yourself. But then later, things happen in life. After 120, you come to heaven and you ask God, you know, you know, there was one time that I lost 15 grand. Why did I lose 15 grand? And God says, you want to know why you lost that money? He says, because you broke Shabbat. You broke Shabbat, you tried to save $1,500. Because of that, you know, even if you did Shabbat afterwards, it still has to come with suffering. It's just not worth it. The idea is like this. The idea is, 
is that you never, ever, ever, ever gain by not listening to God. And you never, ever lose by listening to God. When you're, the, the idea behind Shabbat is so important, it's a fundamental of Jewish, uh, you know, of, of Judaism, that it, anything that you do that you're breaking it, no matter what the, 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 you're going to gain from it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. The texting, you know, you're going to text somebody or you're going to drive somewhere for who knows how much suffering that's going to come out later. So Terach, Terach, even though he did Shuba at his later years, he did Shuba, he, he, uh, uh, he came back. But it wasn't in his, enough time in his life to actually go through the, the complete suffering and the complete tikkun. So he had to come back to this world, and once he came back to this world, he had to go through uh, the sufferings of Eov. Now this could also help you understand Mamzel. Mamzel is, is a child, it's an illegitimate child. A child brought, brought in from a union from, uh, let's say, a married woman cheated on her husband. And she cheated on her husband, and, her, and she, had, she had a baby. This baby is, uh, is unable to marry anybody else in the Jewish religion, unless it's someone in his category. Now the obvious question that everybody asks is, what did this baby do? What, what, what did this baby do? This baby just came into the world, so his mother was promiscuous, slept around, and she, she bore a child. Now why is this this baby's fault that he has to go now and he, has to, he can't marry anybody? And the answer is, nothing is random. You think it's just random that this baby came? There must have been a reason that something that he did in his previous lifetime, who knows what it was, that he had to come back in this life, and God made it that he comes in. Now people think, you know, you just so happen to come into your family. It works on a such a, such a, such a exact thing. There's no like, okay, you know, somebody gets pregnant, alright, soul number 1552, you're up. And you go into the thing. It doesn't work that way. There is, uh, everything is to the T. Not only that, they say that you sign off. You sign off on your family, on your situation, on your life, your whole life from A to Z, exactly what's going to happen. And even more than that, they actually say that you choose your life. You choose your life in the previous, and there are many people that are, that are depressed and they don't want to be in their life. They don't realize that they chose that life because that's the life that they need to do. That's the life that they need to fi- get fixed. So, this is also, you had, you had rabbis that if there was a, a mentally disabled or Down syndrome you know, person that walked into the room, they would stand up. Because they consider these whole souls very holy. These souls, have, they come back to this world, they usually don't come back for as long as a life as a, as a regular uh, person. And they, they, after they leave, that's it, they get fixed. They don't, have, they, don't have a, um, free, they don't have a free will like regular people do. So they don't get punished for certain things. Shota, uh, mentally, uh, mentally disabled uh, uh, people. So the, 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 the idea is, is that they're considered, you know, on a higher level, that people actually respect, the righteous people actually respected those people though, from that background. Autistic, all those different types of, uh, of, of issues. It's a type of issue that, you know, the person has no control. What, what, can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, it's common, I think it's very important in this topic to also mention the idea that sometimes people just didn't have an opportunity to feel something. We're going to speak about that. Like, We're going to speak about that. Like, I don't want to make it sound like too much about like you said, you did wrong. Like, We're going to speak about that. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, uh, the opportunities, obviously everything takes it to the end. And I'm saying, I, I'm not saying that, the general idea is, although it's not, it's not the easiest to, say, to, to hear that you know why we're back here because we messed up. But the idea is, is better to know that you have, it's, it, it, the reason why I love this class so much is that it opens your mind and it starts saying, okay, like if I'm supposed to be doing something, what am I supposed to be doing? And that really is the purpose as you'll soon see as we progress. It's sort of going to open your mind and try to figure out what it is that I need to do over here. What is the purpose of me being here? And one of the ways is we're going to see is through this topic. So I rather, so you're, you're right. There are certain things that are behind people, and and out of anybody, God knows if you know you're in fault or you're not at fault. 
So obviously that goes all into consideration, you know, by the by the judgment. But at the same time, you know, if you're already here, you're, there must be a reason for it. Now, uh, again, it is possible that that you know you're here to just improve certain things, and we'll speak about it also. Which means is you just didn't do enough mitzvot in a certain category, and you didn't learn enough, and that's what you're here to do. Which again is also a negative, but again you could also focus it on the positive. The idea is is that we're focusing this as a, as a chesed. You're you're coming back here. It's sort of think about it this way: you're playing a game. And it was game over. You know, put another quarter. But instead, you know, the manager comes in, swipes the card, and be like, "All right, you got another round on me. Don't worry about it." Is it? A, is it? Um, does it have to be a constant thing that if you if you do mess up, um, somebody doesn't pay back money or something, they for sure are coming back, or can God? And some say, I'm having mercy on you, you're going to heaven. First of all, who's the, oh, there's no, the, nothing, everything gets, gets uh, put in the right way. There's justice on everything, to the T. So it's not, it, the question is, is if somebody has to go, if somebody's lived a great life, did the things, and if, even if they messed up, they did chuba, they completed their repentance, they die, they go straight to heaven. Right, until Mashiach comes and they come back and then there's Olam Abba. So, after Mashiach. But let's say somebody uh, didn't. So everything comes back. There's no like, I don't worry about it. You're, you're okay, man. Yeah, 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 you're a good guy. Just don't, don't worry about the past. This, every, unfortunately, we would wish it would be like that, but everything is, is, is uh, justice gets meted out to the T. The, uh, the question is, is do you get to come back in a reincarnation or do you get your, just, your rectification in hell? Hell, people think of it as a punishment. It's more a consequence. You dirtied your shirt, you gotta go to the dry cleaner. The dry cleaner can be very painful if the shirt had feelings. But it's very, but the idea is not to suffer the shirt, the idea is to clean it. The, the hell is not a put, God's like, I'm so pissed at you, you can't believe you didn't listen to me. No, it's like you messed up, so like, okay, now I gotta clean you, you're dirty. How do you clean you? Hell is a cleansing process. So it's, it's, uh, think of it as, as, this is all like in, in our favor. Everything works for us. Yeah. So I heard that um, the different types of Ganhelim, sometimes the stuff that go through here, confusion is the Ganhelim in itself. Yes, yes, you can't get, and that's the idea behind it, you can't get suffering over here, that you won't get suffering in the next world. I, I call it um, getting paid uh, or buying pennies on the dollars. Because if, let's say you go through suffering over here, you go through a lot less over there. Isn't that, not, isn't that a, a distortion of justice though? Why? Because you're saying you get less if you suffer here, and if you go there, but you need to be amount there, but you don't because you're getting it here. The idea is, is that you got to get cleansed. Yeah. You want to? Yeah, I want to say, say something. I think we're getting mixed up between the Jewish version and the Christian version. The Christian version is like, it's hell and it's evil and everything else. And the Jewish version is like, it's only a washing machine. So who cares? The idea, right, the idea is the end game. How are you going to get to the end game? Over here... I'll tell you, I'll give you a bigger proof of this and how it says that let's say you're supposed to go through a certain amount of suffering, but you accept it with love. You're like, you, something that happens, you're like, God, I deserve it. I love you. I thank you. And, and you accept it. Automatically, that suffering just shrunk like by like 50 or 60 or 70 percent just by accepting it. Because, accept. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> So the idea is, the idea is, is also the attitude, the attitude that comes into it. And the idea is to wake you up. If you wake up with a little flick, then God says, ah, that's all I needed to do. If you don't, then there's slap, slaps, punch, who knows what. The idea is to wake you up and to get, and to get you to the right place that you need to get to. The, um, there was a, I love this story. There was a, there was a famous story by the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov, um, lived in the 1700s. He died in about 1760 in Ukraine, if I'm not mistaken. So very, very holy Kabbalist, you know, uh, the, the, the founder of actual the Hasidic movement, movement. 
So he, there was once a woman that came over to him and she, she started crying to him. She says, Rabbi, you know, we've been trying to have children for so many years and nothing. And can you give us a blessing for a child? So the rabbi said to her, she said to her, are you strong enough to have a child? She thought that he meant in a physical sense. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm still young. I, I could have a child. She says, fine. I give you a blessing. You should have a child. Nine months later, she has, uh, she gives birth to a baby boy. And you know how it is when a, when a parents do not have children for such a long time. They give so much affection and love to the child. They showered, excuse me, they showered this child with everything. Everything. The best thing that anything could happen. When the, when he became three years old and he wore his first tzitzit and he got his hair cut, that night he died. So she goes and she runs back to the, to the Baal Shantov. She says, what did you do? He says, I'm like, I'm like, I asked for a child. You gave me, I did not, you gave me a child only for it to die in my arms. So the Baal Shem Tov says, I asked you if you were strong enough. And she didn't. And the Baal Shem Tov saw that she was confused. He says, let me explain to you. So he says, let me tell you a story. She said, in, uh, in a, a few years, actually many years back, there was a guy by the name, uh, a Polish uh, royalty, by the name of Vladimir Potocki. And this Vladimir, he comes from a very, very wealthy family. And his, uh, when he was born... His parents wanted to give him the best of anything, everything, the best education. They would teach him Latin, Greek, Hebrew, mathematics, all the science. They wanted to give him the best of the best education because he's going to take over the family business, the family, you know, uh, the, the, the government and the rulership. So they started looking around for the best. As he got older and of age, they started to find the best, best of, of, of each, of each, uh, of each uh, science and of each math and any, every particular guy, they took the best one. And they found out that there was one particular guy that was the best in, in the, as a Hebrew teacher. But he, you know, was, was a Jew. And they didn't know that he was a Jew because had the Duke known that he was a Jew, he would never hide him because he hated Jews. But uh, he didn't know that he was a Jew. So he says, I, want you, I hear you're the best. I want you to come teach my son. And the guy kept on refusing. And he says, no, you know, you can find somebody better. You don't want to go over there because in order to live, you have to actually live in the palace. You live on the grounds and then you actually teach until the child, uh, you know, could be for years. He says, and if you're living over there, you can't practice Judaism. So he says, it's really not for me. You could find somebody else much better, much more qualified. And the, the more the Duke look around, the more all, all fingers point to him. He says, listen, the Duke says, he says, you know, at the end of the day, he says, I'm going to get the best. And you're the best, and you're going to come. Right? It, became, it, stopped, it stopped from being like, can you please join us to, you're coming. So he said, fine. You know what? I have just one request. I'll come. But you have to give me one hour. In my room of solitude, no one can bother me at the same time every day. He says, I have to have an hour of quiet and peace that it's for, it's for myself. The Duke said, weird, but sure, why not? You got it. So, they go and uh, the kid, you know, he starts teaching the kid. The kid is young. And he starts teaching about, you know, uh, you know uh, the, the Jewish, uh, you know, the, the, the Hebrew language and, you know, the different ideas behind. Uh, the, he didn't speak anything about Judaism. Just idea behind the, the Hebrew language. And he goes and, uh, the, you know, the, for some reason, this little kid and this, and this uh, person who was teaching him Hebrew, they, they got very close. They got, they, this kid loved, his te- this, this, this teacher was his most favorite teacher. And he used to follow him around everywhere. And he soaked up every knowledge, everything that he spoke about in Hebrew, he found it fascinating, that language. So, he goes and uh, he always asks his teachers, like, what do you do? He followed him around. Every few moments, he was following this teacher. He says, uh, he says, what are you doing in that hour every day? He says, listen, this is my, my deal with your father. He says, I get an hour of room, an hour to myself of privacy, and no one can know what I'm doing inside it. So, the kid kept on begging him, please, tell me, I'm not going to tell anybody. No, I'm t- tell me. And he says, this is not going to happen. Finally, the kid, you know, decided, I am going to find out for myself. You know, there's certain, uh, you know, arrogance, and not, I shouldn't say arrogance, but uh, they, from the kids from the, come from a Duke family, have a little bit of uh, self-esteem, but that's not a problem. So he goes into the room before, when, the, when his teacher's not looking, and he hides under the bed. 
The teacher goes in, he looks in the room, sees it's empty, locks the door, and it's an hour of solitude. He goes out, he pulls out from a, from a hidden cabinet, he pulls out his tilim and talit, and he starts wrapping his tilim and talit, he takes out a prayer book and he starts praying. And this kid is looking on and fascinated. What, he's never seen this before. He says, why is he, why is he wearing a blanket on him? And why does he have straps on his arms and head? He says, it makes no sense. So he looks out from under the bed and he says, uh, what is that? And this guy, you know, his name was Menachem. This guy, Menachem, the teacher, jumped up and he looks around and he's like, who's here? He didn't know anybody was here. And the kid crawls out from under. He says, it's, it's, it's me. He says, what do you got on your head? So the teacher was like, what are you doing over here? This is my, this is my hour. How, could, how dare you come in? And he's like, and the kid's like, forget about that. Explain to me what's going on with your head. What, what, what are you doing? And he says, you know, like, you know, he saw you stuck. He says, listen, he says, uh, you know, I'm a Jew and I'm praying now. So this Vladimir kid, you know, his eyes light up. He's like, I want to pray. Put them on me. So the guy, the, the guy said, you know, Menachem, the teacher says, are you crazy? He says, if your father finds out that I'm a Jew, I'll get killed. He says, if you find out that I put Jewish stuff on you, I'll get killed and you'll probably get punished too. So, so, so he said, uh, the, the kid says, it doesn't matter, don't worry about it. I want you to put it on me anyways. So the guy says, yeah, easy for you to say, but I'm the one who's going to have to deal with this, the consequences. And the kid says, he says, listen, if you're not going to put it on me, I'm going to notify the guards right now that you're Jewish and you're praying. So he basically tied this guy's hands and he said, fine. So the guy said, fine, I'll, I'll put on the, you know, this is, I'll humor you. He puts on the, well, obviously he didn't tell that, he thought that. He puts on the tilin, he puts on the talit on the little kid, and the kid, you know, he said, started reading these things. And the kid started reading it and his face just started shining. And he's like, I want to be a Jew. And the guy says, no, <laughs> that's not happening. And he says, he's like, no, no, make me a Jew. I, want, I, I love this. I want to pray. So this guy, so the, the, this, this teacher, Menachem, he says, he says, listen, he says, you know, if you're, you're, act, you're asking something that's crazy, he says, there's no reason for you to be a Jew. Become what, what you are and, uh, you know, don't tell anybody about what we just did over here. So uh, um, the kid says, uh, nonetheless, you know, I'll keep your secret, but I want, I want to do this with you every day. And he started, he started doing that. He started, you know, and he couldn't do anything. He was going to get, otherwise he was going to tell his, his father and he's going to get to who knows what, punished. So this kid started, uh, you know, teaching, you know, about the prayers. And the guy always thought, he said, listen, if he gets caught, he'd say, I'm teaching prayers. It's just a Hebrew language. It's just easier to, you know, he figured some excuses, he'll tell the father. Finally, he goes and uh, they start speaking about, you know, philosophy and laws and all these different ideas of Judaism and it's and behind the mitzvot and things like that. And the kid just soaks it all up. And he, and this goes on. And finally, the kid says, says, uh, uh, you know, I want to convert. You know, the kid's getting older already. He's learning, you know, he's at, and he says, uh, the, the, the guy says, listen, he says, you can't convert. He says, if you convert, they're, they're not only going to kill you, they're going to kill me also. So the kid says, nonetheless, you know, I made up my mind, I want to convert. So the, the guy, the teacher said, listen, if you're going to convert, then, then we both have to run away because there's no way you're going to convert in this town. He says, if you convert in this town, besides me and you getting killed, the rabbi is going to convert, you're going to get killed, and who knows what other trouble is going to be. So the kid said, fine. And uh, he wrote a note to his parents, you know, you know last, uh, last will and testament from his He's like, hey, mom and pop, I appreciate everything you did for me, but uh, I found Judaism to be my, my thing, and I am going to convert. All right, son, your loving, loving son, Vladimir. And he writes his son, and they both, they both escape. When uh, they escaped, then this Vladimir ended up traveling to Jerusalem, and he actually converted in Jerusalem. When, uh, um, when, when his parents found out, they were fur- beyond furious. The father hired, no, spared no expense. He hired detectives upon detectives upon detectives, send them to the far corners, wherever Jews were. He says, you find me my son, and you bring him back here. So um, he said, listen, my son always liked lace work. So, if you go into a certain, t- hang around the lace work, uh, you know, where, where they sell and the merchants are selling lace, he is going to, he, he always loves it, and if he has to get into business, I have, uh, you know, I have a feeling that he's gonna get into that business. So, 
they go and they search for him for years. They didn't find him. The, the, the father kept on paying, says, find, my, find me my son. So the disgrace for the family. In fact, they had uh, this like eagle crest and they broke off one of the claws to show that they like disowned the child. So they go and um, they're searching for years and years. Finally, I don't know, you're talking about seven, eight years go by and uh, there's one detective in Jerusalem and he sees over there and it sort of fits the description of what the father explained on the pictures on how the father, you know, described his son, except now he had a full beard, looked like a, you know, like a rabbi. So he goes and without asking any questions, they go, they grab him, whatever they use back then, chloroform, whatever it is, and they tied him up and they brought him back to, uh, back to, uh, to, to his, uh, his hometown. He goes there in front of his hometown, he, he opens it up, and he's like, that is my son. And he goes and his father says, how dare you? How dare you become a Jew? He says, you know what, the, you know, the Jews are the filth of the filth, the dirt of the dirt. And the father says, so the son says, he's like, listen dad, what can I tell you? I, you know, I'm sorry. He says, I, this is my destiny, this is what I want to be. This is, and you know, there's nothing that you could say that's going to change me, change my mind. So he says, oh yeah, I have a feeling I can. So he says, uh, he calls over a priest over. The priest comes in and he says, uh, this, this kid is literally tied down. Uh, he's not a kid anymore, he's a man. He's tied down and he goes, the, the priest goes to him and he says, uh, listen, you're either going to convert back to Christianity or you're going to get burnt at the stake. Those are the two options. We're not here to play games. So the guy says, burn me. He says, I've been fasting to try to, you know, get rectified all my problems that I had when I was, all the sins that I did when I was here. He says, burn me, I'll be my, finish my rectification. So the father heard this, he's like, are you crazy? He's like, what do you mean burn? He's like, you're going to die for this religion? He says, come back, you'll have everything. You'll have wealth, money, everything that your ever heart desires, you'll have it. And he says, listen, dad, I says, that's not what I want in life. I don't want the money. I don't want the honor. I don't want the prestige. I want Judaism. I want the Torah. So he goes and he says, uh, he calls the mother in and says, listen, talk to your son. You're a woman. So the, this mother comes in and starts crying. He says, listen, I beg of you, just convert, convert back. He says, wow, I, they, they're going to kill you. He says, don't do it. He would not budge. He would not budge. And it turns out that he ended up getting killed by the stake. He ended up, they burned him. They burned him because he was a, whatever they call the, the you know, I forgot the term that they use for it. He went, the, thought, the parents actually killed their own child for that. And uh, so it, they burnt him. He went up, the soul guts goes up to heaven, and he says, and they say, listen, he says, you, you have direct pass, easy pass, straight up to, straight up to, to heaven. He says, after you went through what you did for the, that's unbelievable. He says, but, he says, you know, you grew up in a non-Jewish environment. You grew up, you know, listening to non-Jewish lullabies and that. He says, you could go, you have a choice. He says, if you want, we could send you back to this world, to a Jewish family. All you gotta do is just get nursed by a Jewish mother, sing the Jewish lullabies, get the, you know, the, the tzitzit the first time, and then you're gonna go on a much higher level. So it's up to you. So the guy says, what's the question? He says, bring me back down here. Bring me back down here. Send me in for three years. What's the big deal? So this Baal Shem Tov goes over and looks at, the, at, this, uh, at this woman. And he says, you know, that child was, came to you. He says, and now because of you, he is able to go into such a higher level in heaven. And the woman says, you know, well, I appreciate that. And it does make me feel a little better. But at the same time, you know, I don't have a child anymore. And I want a child. So the Baal Shem Tov says, it was already decreed in heaven. He says, because you did such a chesed for this, for this holy soul, he says, it was decreed that you will get another, uh, you will, you will have another baby. And it was said that this, she was, she gave birth not too long to another boy. And this, and some say that this boy ended up becoming the famous rabbi, Aaron of Kerlin. A big, huge rabbi. An unbelievable rabbi. So, the, the idea that I do want to focus on that is like, you know how you see how, like, a parent was willing to just kill a child. For, for something that, you know, how much do they already know? You know, Christians, who knows a lot about, about Christianity? The missionaries, the priests, 
And probably that's about it, I would say. And they don't have any children. And they don't have any rights, so they all die out anyways. <laughs> but the idea is, is that they don't know. They, they, the, the regular ordinary Christian knows nothing. Knows, uh, if they know, they know very little. They go to Mass and they go to the church and they, do, they, they, get a, they, don't, they don't have a lot of knowledge. Here you go and you see a guy who doesn't have that much information about was willing to give up his kid. But uh, it's very unfortunate because it works the flip side as well. Kids give up their parents. And, and uh, I, I know this story personally. Um, there was a guy who, um, he lost his father. He lost his father at a very young age. Um, you know, died on Shabbat, actually. And uh, so, so it was, they asked the kid, so, so are you going to say Kaddish? And the kid said, no, I'm not saying Kaddish. My mother doesn't let me say Kaddish for my father. So this is, did everything, you know, what she, did she, did they not have a good shalom bite? What was going on? It's like, no, they, they live perfectly together. He says, why don't you, what's, that's the craziest thing. I'm like, why don't you, uh, and then it turns out this kid says, no, we're atheists. I'm like, oh, okay. So it makes you feel better that your father's sitting there and not doing anything. It's just like, that's it. Life is over. I'm like, so then I went and I said like this. I said, um, is there a 1% chance that God exists? A 1%, a tiny, tiny bit of a chance that God, that maybe there's a, maybe Judaism is just right. 1%. And he says, um, yeah, 1% chance. I'll, I'll give you a 1% chance. I'm like, okay. So first of all, you're not an atheist. You think you're an atheist, uh, but you're not an atheist. So I'm like, okay, 5, 1% you gave me. 5%? 5% chance that there's a God you'll, you'll give me? And uh, he says, you know, five, you're not too sure, 5%. I was able to bring it all the way up to 50%. 50%. So I'm like, okay, so we went from like atheist to like, yeah, 50% chance of believing in God. So I said, okay, I held up two cups of water. One was, one was water, one was not. Uh, well, I'm sorry, both of them was filled with water. And I told him that because I'm like this. I'm like, one of these cups have poison in it, and it's going to kill you. And the other one is going to make you very strong. Um... So, uh, here, why don't you uh, pick one and drink? It says, would anybody in their right mind take that risk? And people in the right normal, if, if their head is in, on the right way, and they love themselves and they love life, they're not going to take that risk. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Even though you have a possibility of becoming stronger, it's not worth the risk of dying for, for, the, uh, you know, for a slight chance of, of getting extra strength. So I, t- I tell them, I'm like, listen, I'm like, 50% chance there's a God, and yet you are refusing to help your father if there's a God. He says, what, what, what you, what's going on? He says, and people go, you know what the idea was behind it? Because if he believes that there's a God, then he, then he has to listen to him. And people don't want to listen to him. That's the secret behind most atheists. Most, athe- uh, most atheists are really just, they don't want to do the Torah and the mitzvah. They don't want it. They want to live a free life. It's much easier to say, God doesn't exist. And they don't have any, you know, sort of uh, removes their, their uh, you know, self-conscious or whatever it is that, that bothers them. Now, the, here's an interesting question. Would you rather know what, who you are, what you are in a previous life, or would you rather not know? Oh. <laughs> All right, so you'll take the cups and you'll start mixing in and drinking together. Eh? So uh, uh, there are people that do remember their previous life, and we spoke about it in the last class. Um, totally was a samurai. <laughs> All right, a Jewish samurai. Yeah. So. No, so what's this whole thing about going in and not going? Like, why? Why? We'll speak about that. That's that's next. That is the final class. We'll try to get more in uh, depth on it. So. The um, one reason is why many people don't know. Majority of people do not remember their previous life. They don't remember where they were here before. Sometimes they'll get a little bit deja vu and be like, you know, I like ships, so maybe I was a sailor. You know, like things like like that. But no one actually, not a lot of people actually remember their previous life. There are many people that do, but uh, majority don't. Now, one of the one of the if a person thinks he knows where he is, he, not, he might not be crazy. Yeah, you mean, what do you mean, why would he be crazy? It could be Zachary, yeah, it's very possible that... Uh... I, I know this older, not necessarily that guy, I know this older person in Karaba who almost swears that he knows exactly who he was and why he... Yeah, that's not crazy. No, yeah, that's what he meant. No, 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 that's not what he means that he's crazy. I mean, 
if he's in a mental ward and he's on medication as is, then maybe it just adds on to it. But if he's like a regular guy... It's very possible that people remember. They're not Majority do not, but there are people that do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially kids. Kids more. And then they usually forget it as they, go, uh, as they get older. But, um, okay... So first of all, why is it that we don't know? Why don't we know that what we were in previous lives? Maybe it'll make, it'll make life so much easier. You'll know like, okay, listen, last time you had a lot of money and you didn't give charity. Now I'm going to give you a lot of money, but you have to give charity. Very simple. Okay, now I know my purpose in life. Let me do it. Yeah. So right? makes, it makes life a lot simpler. So number one, one, one very important reason why not is that let's say somebody, uh, you know, in his previous life, he was married six times. And during those six times, he beat his woman. And he abused them, and emotionally, and you know, everything. They, he just they, they tore them apart. And his punishment, his part of his rectification, he has to come back in this world, want to get married, but he will never get married. Somebody like that, you know, is going to be like, you know, they'll just commit suicide. They're like, that's it. What, there's no hope for me. Says, and this is all that he wants to do. And it's not, you know, they're just going to kill themselves. It's, it's, going to, it's going to be too debilitating for the person to actually live out their life if they know, you know, how much they have to do. Now, You're saying what? You're saying that he wanted to get married? And he, he'll, let's say, I'm just giving an example. He, he would really want to get married, but he will never get married. Why would he want to and never... He will, no, that's the way it's going to be decreed. He's going to, he has like a, a, a real desire to get married, but God will never make it happen. So the, um, the other idea is, is why it's important is, is think of it like this. We spoke uh, you know, a little bit about suffering. If somebody goes and gets, uh, let's say, uh, you know, unfortunately a fender mentor. So they're a very righteous, they're a religious, righteous person. And they're like, okay, listen, maybe I have to keep, be careful how I was driving. But now let me start thinking. Let me start thinking, why is it that God made me have this fender bender? And they'll start, you know, okay, maybe it was because of this. Maybe because I wasn't listening to good music. Maybe I was driving like a maniac. Maybe I was doing a chilul Hashem. Maybe this, maybe this. So God will send them one little flick, and they'll fix ten things. That, that's, that's a great deal. But imagine, you know, you know, you'll go, and you'll get a little flick, and you'll be like, oh, you know what that is? That's, that's because you are angry. And then you get another flick, he says, you know what that is? That's because you didn't guard your eyes. And then you get another flick, and you know what that is? That's because you didn't do this. So at the end of the day, instead of, you'll get like ten potches, ten hits, just to fix one thing. But over here, God does a great, a great uh, uh, you know, chesed for us. He flicks us once, and that flick, we don't know what it's for. So we start changing. Okay, maybe it's this. Okay, maybe it's this. And you start fixing so many things, and then at the end, it's a, it's, a very, it's a very big chesed. So we come back to this world, you know, granted, it's most likely not just one tiny little thing that we have to fix. It's probably more than one thing. So we don't know what it is. So we say, okay, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. And before you know it, you're fixing everything. So in fact, it is a big chesed. There was a, a, a story... Um, let's call him uh, by the name of a guy named Sam. This guy Sam, he worked very, very hard. He was a very, very hard worker. And he, unfortunately, could not make any money. Any business that he tried, all failed. So he goes from one thing to another. Everything failed one after another. So he goes and he starts, uh, you know, he goes to his wife and he says, what am I supposed to do? He says, what should I do? It doesn't, you know, everything. He says, if I would buy candles and if I go into the candle business, you know, the sun wouldn't set. And if I go into burial shrouds, no one's going to die. So if I start selling coffins, no one's going to die either. So, that, so he starts asking, and he says, uh, she says, listen, he says, you know what you should do? He says, go to, go to, the, go to the rabbi. There's a holy rabbi with the name of Baal Shem Tov. Welcome. And he says, go to this holy rabbi. Maybe he can help you out. So he says, uh, okay, fine. 
And he goes to the, um, he, you know, he was very, very poor, had nothing. And he decides, you know, in order to go to this rabbi, it's a three-day travel, so you have to prepare for it. And he, prepare for, he prepares for the, you know, the journey, and he starts on foot, he starts walking. He starts walking, and he tries to get a hitch over here, a hitch over here from this wagon. And at the end of the day, finally, three days come back, he finally goes to, he finally meets the rabbi. He waits online, he should come to the rabbi, he comes into the rabbi, and the rabbi says, you know, what can I help you with? And he says, listen, he says, you know, Pinesh is not working out for me. He says, can you help me out with something? He says, why is this happening? So, the holy rabbi closes his eyes, thinks for a minute, and he says, I can't help you. Um, but, I could send you somewhere where you can't help. He says, you go to this certain town, it's a few towns over, and you go meet somebody by the name of Yidel Goldberg. So he says, uh, what's, you know, this guy says, uh, what's, Sam goes to the rabbi, says, what's Yidel Goldberg? And so, says, Yidel Goldberg will be able to clarify your situation. So he says, okay, you know, fine, I came this far. So he says, you know, it's another three-day travel. So he gets his stuff together, and he starts making his way out. Another three days of traveling. He goes, and he starts traveling. And he's like, oh, this better be worth it. You know, as we're talking about six days of travel already. And, and again, it's not sitting on a train sleeping for six days. It's walking. That was his method of traveling. So he was walking. And finally, after three days, he goes and he walks into this, uh, uh, to this town. And he starts asking around. He says, do you know a guy by the name of Yudel Goldberg? I guess Yudel Goldberg? No, never heard of him. He says, try the other synagogue. So he goes from synagogue to synagogue. Do you have any, anybody in this congregation by the name of Yudel Goldberg? And uh, they said, no. He searched every single synagogue in town. No Yudel Goldberg. So one of the guys, you know, he goes over to the, you know, circling back again. He goes, listen, he says, I, I searched this entire town. The Balshantov sent me here. He says, there must be a guy named Yidel Goldberg. So the guy says, listen, what can I tell you? He says, I never heard of him. Nobody else ever heard of him. Maybe he's one of those, like, free thinkers that, you know, he maybe check the church. Check the church registry. So he starts, he goes over to the church. He goes to the priest of the registry. He says, do you have anybody in this town by the name of Yidel Goldberg? And they look in the conversion things. They look at all the charts. No, nothing to do with Yidel Goldberg. And he spent there already two days just searching for Yidel Goldberg. And he's like, this is ridiculous. So he's exhausted. He doesn't have money to go to an inn or a hotel or anything like that. So he says, you know what? Let me go find somewhere. I'm going to sleep and make my way. This is a big mistake. He goes and uh, he looks for a quiet place that he could sleep. And he sees a cemetery, you know, not too far by. So he figures the cemetery is pretty quiet. So shouldn't anybody bother him there. He goes over there and he falls asleep. He figured he'll take a small nap and then he'll start, you know, making his way back before dark. Meanwhile, though, you know, it got, you know, he was so exhausted from his travels, he slept straight through the night. He wakes, uh, you know, he gets woken up, and there's a, you know, the caretaker sitting there with a shovel right next to him. You know, he's like, yo, buddy, uh, you go, you're lost or something? So he, he's like, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm okay. You know, he gets up, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I, you know, I meant to rest here for a little bit, and then, uh, you know, I sort of, uh, you know, dozed off. So he says, yeah, I saw you coming in last night, I figured you're a traveler, I figured I'll let you uh, sleep. So the guy says, the caretaker this, uh, of, the, of the cemetery goes and says, what brings you to this town? So he says, you know, my, you know I went to this, you know, he started opening up them. I went to this rabbi, the Baal Shem Tov, holy man, he told me to come here, I'm going to meet Yidel Goldberg, Yidel Goldberg, give me all the answers to my questions. So he says, uh, Yidel Goldberg? So the guy says, you know, he says as if he heard about him, he says, you know Yidel Goldberg? And he says, yeah, I know Yidel Goldberg. He's like, can you take me to him? He's like, I don't see how he can help you. He's like, please, you know, I travel like six days to get here. Just please just bring me to Yidel Goldberg. So he's like, all right. So he starts walking and they start walking through the cemetery and they get to the far end of the, of the, of the cemetery. He takes his shovel, he cleans, he, he puts it down, he cleans off the, the bushes and the dirt from this uh, cemetery grave. And he's like, here, Yidel Goldberg, right over here. He's like, and he's like, my rabbi sent me on a goose chase to somebody that died, you know, well before I was born. He's like, what's going on over here? So this caretaker is looking at him, you know, confused. And he says, he says, listen, you know, to be honest, he says, I don't even know, had he been alive, I don't know what he would have been helped you. He says this, you know, my parent, father was a caretaker of the cemetery. My grandfather was a caretaker. And th- we had a tradition passed down, a story passed down about this guy. 
says this guy was the most stingy guy in the entire, in the entire, that's why he's buried all the way at the end. He had so much money, but he wouldn't give it a cent to anybody. He had so much money that he would refuse to get married because then he would have to support his wife and children. He says this guy was a wicked guy. He says, I don't know, had he been alive, I still don't know what he would have, uh, you know, uh, you know, done anything for you. So the guy's looking at him, very confused. He's looking at, and he's like, he's like, this guy died before I was born. He's like, I, I don't understand what, you know, what the rabbi wants from me over here. So he tries to make sense of it, doesn't make sense of it. He starts, he says, thank you very much to the caretaker, and makes his way back. He makes his way back, and he decides, listen, you know, he has to pass through the town anyways. He's going to go back to the rabbi. He says, I went on six days, you know, now we're talking about nine days already. So he goes to the rabbi. And he's exhausted from all his travels. And he goes to me and says, Rabbi, please, just you know, tell me. He says, I went there. The guy's dead. He says, how is he supposed to help me? So the rabbi looks at him and he says, uh, you know, when did the guy die? And he says, you know, I don't remember, like this certain year. And he says, uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, when were you born? And he says, like, oh, yeah, this year. And the rabbi says, can you put the two and two together? And the guy freezes for a second. And then he's like, are you trying to tell me that I just went to visit my previous... And the rabbi is like, mm-hmm. And he's like, are you... And he starts, he gets white. And, and he's like, he's trying to make sense of it. You know, he's completely in shock. And he walks, you know, and, and, and then he just leaves. He goes home. And he realizes, you know, now, you know, he was a learned man. He realizes why this all... You know why he didn't have any money? Because last life he had money and he didn't know how to use it. So now he changed everything. He started doing tshuva for, for things that, you know, he's like, he's like, God, please. Every time he had money, he started giving it out. He started becoming the most generous person. And surprisingly, or not surprisingly, I should say, the tables have turned. And slowly he became more wealthy and he started opening a business and the business was successful. And before, and it wasn't before long, but he was an extremely wealthy person. Why he was able to go and fix the problem that he had before and he had, in, all, all his questions were really answered by Yidel Goldberg, which was his previous, uh, who he was in his previous life. Now, the, um, the idea to understand is, it, what is a soul? What, you have a soul. Everybody knows it has a soul inside them. That's the way that they're alive. And in fact, we spoke about this in the previous class. You know, if you've ever been somebody who passed away, like the life left them, and you see him a minute before he died and a minute after he died, or her, they two different people. Two different, it's not, you see somebody that has life left him, it's not the same person. You could see that it, it's just not him. It's not her. It's, not the, it's just a body in here. The idea is, the soul, it says in Bereshit Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Vayipach, God breathed in to man the, the source of life, the soul of life. Now, what, what happens when you breathe? When you breathe, you take, when you breathe out, I'm sorry, you take from your essence and you push it out. You're breathing something from inside of you out. God, when God put the soul in Adam, He took something from inside, a piece of God. We are, the soul is a piece of God and He put it inside, inside, uh, uh, inside us. Now, the the idea is is that is that uh, think about it like this you know you have uh, you have a very a, ver- a very he- heavy object you, let's make it like chairs chairs are simple you have a stack of twenty chairs they have to bring over there now you could try to pick up the twenty chairs and bring it over there but it's gonna be very difficult you're probably gonna fall and break and who knows what what's gonna damage it you're gonna do or you could take one chair at a time and make twenty trips so. If you think about it like this, you know how in the olden days, you're talking about, I'm talking about old, olden days, you're talking about the, by the time of Noah, you know, people live 500 years, 600 years, 700 years, ever wonder why we don't live that long? So, one of the reasons is, is that back then they had, they had a, a very large tafket, a, a very large purpose in their life that they had to accomplish. They have to accomplish this, so you need a certain amount of time, and that's why I'm going to give you a lot of time. But, but what happened was that instead of using the time for good, they were using it for bad. They not only did not fix themselves, they made themselves worse and worse. So they sort of basically tried to carry that 20 chairs in one shot. But instead of doing it, they made themselves worse. So God said, you know what? We'll make a smaller trips. Right? Instead of doing one big trip, 
you'll take a bunch of people, and instead of living for 500 years, you can live for 100 years, you can live for 90 years, you can live for 110 years, whatever it is that, that, they, that they were supposed to live. So it's, a, it's, it's you're fixing the, the ideas, but you're doing smaller missions. So this way, you're less likely to, um, to uh, mess it up. So now, there are three types of souls. This is very important. There are souls, there are new souls. Oh, wow, I didn't realize how late it is. Okay, let's try to... Uh, Wrap, wrap it up. If you guys, you got, we have time? Okay. So we have, uh, so we have uh, three types of souls. Number one, there are new souls. There are new souls that are not from Adam Alishon. These new souls usually come to the world they, they, when they, uh, uh, not from Adam Alishon. Adam. Uh, originally, the majority of souls come from Adam Alishon. There was Adam, it was, a, it was like a, and then the, it was a, it, it split into a bunch of souls. Think about it as, as imagine instead of taking, so I, you know, you have one guy who's really strong, he's going to take all these 20 chairs and move it. But he says, you know what, I'm going to call 20 people in, and each person takes a chair. So we sort of, you take this, this, this big, giant, let's say, massive soul, and you split it up into a bunch of different things. So when Adam dies, his soul is in now... So the, the idea behind, first of all, there's Gilgulim that it says Adam was a Gilgul in the Avot, which Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and uh, the Chava was also in the Mahot. But the, the idea is, is there's, there's something, yeah, and they, they overlap. The idea is there's, there's something called Nitzotot. Nitzotot are sparks. Sparks of, you can have sparks of a soul, pieces of a soul. And the, you're, the, instead of, you're basically helping to correct one bigger uh, picture, a bigger mission, if I, can, if I may. So, the, the, if you have a new soul, a new soul that's not from Adam Elishon, this is a very, very rare, most, the majority is not, and this is usually comes when there's a great need for inspiration or leadership, a tremendous, the, the soul has tremendous potential. There are, that's one category one. Category two is there are souls that are part of Adam, but they were not as, as affected by the sin of the Etzadas. As as uh, you know, as a, as a third category, the third category are sins, are souls. I'm sorry, also from Adam Elishan, but they were affected uh, heavily from the sin of of, uh, of Adam. And the difference will be is that they will have more klipot, more shells. A little bit of Kabbalistic term. So uh, the idea is that that uh, the you know somebody who is not affected so much. Let's say he's not religious. You just ask, you tell him two three two three lines about the Torah. He'll just like a, you know. Two, three hours, he's sitting in a class, that's it. He's good, he's, he's ready to become religious. Then you have somebody else who you could try for years, just try to get, get him to keep Shabbat to put on filim and not doing it. You know, or finally, he does a little bit. Those are souls that have more clip on, more shells. And, uh, um, and again, it's not generally like that. There's many other variances that, that could come to play, but it's generally the, their, their lives are more, uh, will have a harder time than the other ones. And again, it's all for a purpose. The, um, you know, and I had this experience fairly re- recently. Um, I was speaking to somebody, um, and he calls himself a Messianic Jew. And now, I'm like, a Messianic Jew, does, you know, the, it, it's two conflicting things. You can either, you know, Messianic Jew means he's like, he believes in the Torah. He happens to be, he's not Jewish. He believes in the Torah, but, so he's, I don't know how he classifies himself as that, but, he, and there's many people that do that. He believes in the Torah, but at the same time, he also believes in Jesus. So, I had, you know... I in the New Testament, it says that they believe in the Torah. Oh. Yeah, so um, he goes and he tells me, and he starts bringing me proofs. He's like, no, he's like, um, he, he starts bringing me all the regular. They all, it's like a copy and paste that they all have a website that they take everything, and they all ask the same thing. Well, it feels over here, and those things are so easily refutable. And uh, so he's asking me questions, I'm answering it. And I figured, you know, this is something that's going to take, like, some sort of a while. And then I, like, just switched it. I'm like, I'm like, listen, you know, what you're doing, you know, is generally I don't look for these people. If you come to me, 
uh, I'll tell you like this. It's you're you're serving idols. You're you're, you're worshiping a man. You're worshiping you know. And I started giving him different proofs, and I figured okay, this is gonna you know I answered him when I had time, and I figured this is good. But then he emails me, you know, he actually messages me today, and he's like, I today this is today happened. I he says uh, I see that you're right. What should I do? And I'm like I was taken aback. I was like wow, I am very impressed. I did not expect that coming. This is somebody who was actually looking for the truth. He was actually looking for the truth. And he, I, I didn't speak to him that much. I didn't speak to him that often. I gave him a few proofs, a few this and a few that. I told him, look at this and look at that. And gave him, uh, you know, like legit proofs with like sources. And he was sold. You have somebody like that where it's so easy. And then you have somebody else where you tend, you know, who knows how long you're, you're asking. Them, and then, you know, it takes them a long time. So it depends also on the source. What? I told him to keep, uh, first of all, basically the seven high laws. Be a, oh, he's not Jewish. No, I don't think he's Jewish. I asked him that after, uh, you know, I think he probably sent me something. I didn't have a chance to look at it. Um, so, so, and I applaud that. I, I'm like, the, you are an amazing person. You know, that you're able to go and see the truth and change. There are not a lot of people that are, are able to do that. So, so uh, the idea is it also depends where your source of your soul is. The, and in fact, there are roots for the soul. So you know how, um, think of it like, you know, if you come from the same root, you find you're really close to that type of person. If you, um, and that's why, if you ever realize it, it says, I think, Rebchaim Vital in, um, in Shara Mitzvot, he says, uh, he was a student of the, of the Arizal, he's the one who actually wrote the Arizal's, uh, you know, work. He says that the majority of family members are actually not from the same root. So that's why sometimes, you know, your friends that you're really close with? Those are people that you share a very close soul relationship. Your souls come from, originate from the same source, from the same, from the same spot. And that is why also there are certain speakers that people like. And they're attracted to that. And other people, not so much. The idea is, is you, you connect more to that person because it comes from the same root. It comes from the same, uh, from the same idea. Uh, uh, from, the same, from the same source. And that's why you feel connected to that. The, uh, and that's why you know, family members are not always come from the same root. So you don't have always that close connection. Sometimes people have close friends that they'll share their lives with. But to their brothers or sisters, they wouldn't say anything. And like, what's going on? And the answer is, it depends on how close they feel. Yes, yes, sure. Um... If, when people die, you know, I, I'm a very emotional person, I'm the first one to cry, but philosophically I always like struggle with it, like how it makes sense once you believe in reincarnation, once you believe in tikkunim, so it's like if somebody got, gets into a car accident and dies, everyone's sad, rightfully so, mm-hmm. but why doesn't someone just say he completed his purpose? If he died early... Generally, then, you have people, you know how when they, they're like, they always say he's in a better place. You know, that's the idea that he's in a better place, he fixed his purpose. While, although that's nice, and it should be said to mourners, people have to understand that if there's, there's a guy that didn't keep Shabbat, didn't keep kosher, didn't keep any of the Torah mitzvot, and he's supposed to keep the Torah mitzvot, fair chance that he's in a better place. Granted, he went through suffering, because death is suffering, and death is atonement for itself. But, uh, you know, to safe to say that, you know, so it's something that people say that it's comfort, but if you want the honest truth, if he did what he's supposed to, then yes, he's in a better place. If he didn't do what he's supposed to... Everyone goes to a better place eventually. Yes. What, We're hope, yeah. What's the judge? I'm saying in person. Only God. <laughs> we can't judge. So that's why... The idea is like this. God wouldn't give you some, a test that you can't pass. Shabbat is, could be kept for everybody. If somebody is in a life-threatening emergency or some sort of issue, they don't have to keep Shabbat. And that's not a problem. It's not a sin. But if this guy was supposed to do... Or this girl was supposed to do something, and they didn't, and they messed it up... There, it's going to have to, you know, it's sad. It's really unfortunate. If, if somebody, though, is um, but it's the truth. brainwashed, 
and they're told that that's a, is bad and Shabbat is bad yeah. and stuff and they've been like they say so that's a different category right so that's a category so right so, so that's the, the, you're talking more a category something called Tinok Shanishba Tinok Shanishba is, is a category of let's say there's somebody who was born in uh, you know in somewhere in Russia and by the time he was five or four who knows he was taken to Siberia and he was put into the KGB or whatever they put up over there right and he is there for 65 years and he dies as a KGB officer and he comes up to ha- he, he never knew he was a Jew he doesn't remember anything when he was little he's not going to get punished for, for not keeping Shabbat he's not going to get punished for not keeping kosher because he didn't know he didn't have the ability to, uh, ability to know. The majority of people are usually not in that category. There are. There are some in that category. And it's a category, it's called Tinoch And again, you're right. They are not responsible. Because they, they, they didn't know. But not responsible doesn't mean like, you know, somebody comes over to you and be like, hey, Shabbat, don't do that. And you're like, la, 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 I don't want to hear. No, 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 I don't want to know. I'd rather, I'd rather not know. That's not considered something, oh, my God, I never knew. So um, there is. There is people. And there are people that, let's say, are born to a completely secular life. And they never know better. And, uh, you know, so, so granted, they, they have something to say, and only God and, you know, them will be able to be like, can you have done more, or can you have not done more? If you can't have done more, God's not going to punish you in a sadistic way and be like, well, tough no, luck. Send you back in a different life. Very possible. Yeah, very, it's very possible. So you did, did you say the third one yet, or the, the third type of soul? Third type of soul is just somebody. The second and the third is very similar. One is that they they had um, they were affected by the sin of, of Adam, and the, and the last one is they were not so affected by the sin of Adam. There's, there's, new, there's new soul. New soul. Then there is one that was not affected by the, the category number two is not affected so much by the by the sin of Adam. Category number three is somebody that was affected by the sin of Adam. Was affected more. Everybody was affected, but depending on some more and some less. Okay. Yes, the ones that were affected more. Mm-hmm. So, um, could it be, let's say, that um, sometimes you, you connect with someone and they're in a strong way and, 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 and they are... And if you have a connection with someone, if I, I think I know where you're going with this. If you have a connection with somebody, um, it's very likely that a, you're supposed to have that connection with that person. Um, again, and it depends. Because let's say you're going and you're like, well, me and Christy had a really good connection in the bar. Uh, that's not a connection I'm supposed to have, and that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I didn't think you mean that. But uh, um, if you have a, if you have this this uh, connection to somebody, there is a reason for that. There is a reason, you know. And I, I venture to say, everybody in this room, it's very likely we were here before and it's in a different life, and that we had to come back together for a certain purpose. It's very likely, you know. And um, you know, the more connection that you have to somebody, the closer friend. There's a reason for that. It's very possible, and we'll soon see. It's very possible you could have been related at a different at a previous life. Who knows what it could be? It's, it, the possibilities are endless. Well, the more interesting how I the different connections. Like. The connections are unbelievable. The way the world works, the way that God works, work, work, uh, you know, works the world. It's like it's constantly nonstop connections. Like uh, you know, you, you see how people meet their spouses. I just happened to be in this town and this, and she had to, had to fly over and stop over, and it took it went out on a date just by accident. You know, who knows what happens? And that's how you meet it. You know, God's orchestrating the whole thing. So there are. Um, Let's speak a little bit about the corrections of, 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 of really the purpose of why we're here. The, um, one of the, so the purpose is coming back is to fix. You're here to fix stuff. So by doing mitzvot, by doing good deeds, by doing, uh, listening to the Torah and mitzvot, you are in, in effect working on your correction. By avoiding to do mitzvot, you are in fact not only not, not progressing and helping your correction, you're going backwards and you're putting on a blemish. On, on your uh, on your on yourself, 
And if we have time, I would like to say a story on this, but I want to finish, I want to finish this, this idea, and if we have time, we'll finish off with a, with a story at the end. But you had a question. I, I just, if, if I could be so bold, I just would like to add one thing. Absolutely. The, the Vilna Gaon says that if you don't do the personal work on yourself, it's as if you shouldn't have been created. When he says, yeah. So, He's, I just feel like it's important to, to note that like, it's, it's not just... 100%. It's that Character girl, traits. Let me work on myself. How do I become a better person? Exactly. Not get I bring you know, all the time. I, I bring that that down. That I quote that Vilna Gaon very frequently. Oh, so we're yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. So the Vilna Gaon says like this: says one of the purposes that you're here is to fi- is tikkun amidot. Tikkun amidot is fixing character traits, and people don't realize this. But for anger, people think, okay, from angry, I just have to become better. You actually have to do tshuva on anger. It's a sin to be angry. It's a sin to be, you know, to do, to have negative character traits. A person has to go through the tshuva process and actually fix himself to, to, uh, uh, to get to that, uh, to that thing. So yes, you're 100% right. I agree with you a thousand percent. So not only do you have to fix in the Torah and the mitzvot, you also have to fix in the, um, in, in the, uh, in the, in the realm of character traits. We'll, we'll, we'll finish in a few minutes. I want to just, uh, finish this idea. The, um, so there are, we'll put it also into, uh, three categories of, of, you know, of part of the reincarnation. This is brought down in the Shah Hagilgulim, in the Rizal's, uh, in the, in the Rizal's, which is, by the way, the most uh, comprehensive ideas that we have from reincarnation come from the Rizal. Shah Hagilgulim. The gate of, uh, reincarnations. So we'll, we'll split up to three things. Number one, a person has to come back either because it, a person sinned against the Torah and he has to come back to fix it. Number two, it could be to perform a mitzvah that he did not previously complete. And by the way, this is including the character traits. Number three, it's not for him, but it's rather for the sake of another individual to guide him and, and, oh. uh, and, and rectify him. Yeah. So according to, that's according to the, the reason. Let's, let's, uh, let's expand on that. Number one, we said that it could be because a person sinned against the Torah and he has to return to rectifying it. Now this could be that uh, the way that this would work is that he would be he would want to make that sin. He or she would want to do that 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 uh, that avera. And the rectification is avoiding to do it. And this is like we spoke about earlier in the beginning, which is somebody is more likely to be angry. So that is what he has to come and fix. So how is he going to fix it? He's going to fix it by not becoming angry. So he's going to have a tendency to do the, the bad that he wants, that he does, that he has to fix. That's how you know what, this is why it says that you want to know what's your, one of your main purposes in your life. What is most difficult for you to do? For men, let's say that some men would be like, you know what, it's such a hard time for me to guard my eyes. It's such a hard time for me to learn Torah. For a woman, it could be modesty is so hard for me. So you know that is one of your main purposes. I'm not saying that is your sole purpose, but it's one of your main purposes of the things that you find hard, very difficult. Now, it says, Rav Tzadok Cohen explains, and he says, he says, this is such an important aspect. He says, the part of Judaism that you find the hardest, know that you have the potential to become the most greatest in that, in that aspect. And, that, and this idea that's very, you know, like drug addicts who recover are the best types of people to help people get out of drugs. Because they'll be like, I've been in your shoes. You know, meth, done that. Cocaine, done, uh, not me, but I'm saying this, this person, who'll be like, I've done all these things so I could help you. So this person, huh? Yeah, so hopefully not that either. So he, this person, the person that's been through those issues or have the most potential to help those people. So the idea is also, is, is if you have a tendency for anger, you have the biggest potential to become not only the opposite of that, but helping other people on that and, and going the extreme opposite of, of, that, of that issue, of that desire. Number two, and this will expand a little bit more depth, 
is you have to perform a mitzvah that you did not complete. So we'll, we'll, we'll split this up into a few categories. A mitzvah, which means is that if you had the ability or you were supposed to do a mitzvah, a, a positive commandment, and you didn't do it, you have to come back to actually fulfill it. So number one, this uh, is a category that is mitzvot that are, that are impossible for him to do. For example, to uh, go and, uh, you know, being a koban. So there's obviously no point of God bringing you back down to this world where there's no kobanot. We you don't have the Beit HaMikdash. So we can bring sacrifices. So there's no point of someone to come back and be like, you know what you have to fix? You never brought a sacrifice. You have to come back to bring a sacrifice. That doesn't make any sense. So God will not bring that person back down for, uh, for reincarnation for that particular purpose. Oh, so that's something else. Uh, yeah, that's something else. But, but uh, right. So if you learn, you could also do it. That, that's when we can't do it. So that's how we fulfill it. But the idea is, and the Rizal explains that as follows. He says that, uh, um, he says, what advantage would be if you cannot complete this, this tikkun? What advantage would be for me to bring you back down here again? So, um, the second category is mitzvot that he could do. You talk about, let's say, tzitzit, tfilin. And if he does not do those, he has to, he has to come back to this world, reincarnate it, even many times, just to fulfill it. There's no getting uh, uh, out of it. Until Mashiach comes and then it's uh, game over. Number three is the, these are mitzvot that you're not obligated to perform unless the circumstance comes to it. A very easy example to understand it is Shiloh HaKan. Shiloh HaKan is sending the mother bird away and taking the eggs. So that is a very interesting mitzvah. A lot to speak just about that, but uh, it's, it's not the topic for tonight. But it's a, it's, you, when do you have that mitzvah? When you come across that type of situation. When you come across, you see uh, the, the bird and the mother and the eggs. and you, all that. Then you have the mitzvah come up. But somebody who doesn't have that, you don't have an obligation to go now and close all your, close all the, the learning to lot and start searching the streets, uh, you know, for the birds. Rather, if it comes to you, then you have the obligation to do that. However, if you're not obligated to run after them, but you are, you, you, you can be reincarnated to fulfill them. So, however, the, it says that Arizal, he says, if you, you do need to be reincarnated just for this reason, you could be assured that you're not going to sin. If you're, just, if you're just coming back to help just to do one positive thing, you're not going to have the temptation to sin. Uh, well, obviously, everyone have the Yetzirah, but they'll be able to overcome it very easily. Number four is a person, a mitzvot, that a person cannot do unless God sort of forces it. And the idea is, is you're talking about Pidyon uh, ben, a redemption of the firstborn, or Yibum, or Chalitza, which means only if, the, you know, they get divorced. And then, they, you know, the, uh, not get divorced, uh, you, your, your brother gets married to a person, and then, the per- and then your brother dies, and didn't have any children. You know, it's a very forced circumstances. Those circumstances, if it was presented to him in a previous life, and he does not do them, then he has to come back and be reincarnated. Otherwise, he does not. Do, do, do men get reincarnated as women to fulfill a woman's role and vice versa? Not, not necessarily, but we'll speak about that next, uh, next, next class will be that, that, uh, that topic also. How can you come back? Do you switch genders and things like that? Uh, the fifth category is one particular mitzvah. One particular mitzvah, this is particular for men, it's a mitzvah of procreation. The ability that you have to have a child. A, a man has an obligation to have a child. A woman, they don't have the obligation to have a child. Obligation holds on a man. So the, a person has to come back to fulfill it if he did not fulfill it uh, in, this, uh, in, in the previous life. And the sixth category is, uh, is, the, is Torah, is learning Torah, right? We know it says, Talmud Torah can get kulam, the Gemara and Kiddushin, 39b. The, the study of Torah is equivalent to all, all of them. The, now, when you're learning Torah, there are four ways. The mnemonic is for this is pardes. Pardes means pshat, lemes, drush, and sod. So pshat means the what's the literal text meaning? What is the Torah literally telling me? Lemes is sort of allusions, hints, gematria, numerical value, gzera shava. Those are lemes. 
Then you have drush. Drush is, is things that be derived from, uh, from, from something. So it's sort of an interpretation that is not explicit in the Torah. And then finally you have sod, which is the secret. That those are the four categories that a person has to go. When you're learning Torah, you have to go and learn all those four. There are many people that they can't, they learn. And they have to come back and they have to focus on a different aspect. That I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Rabchaim Vital, he, uh, you know, he was a rabbi and he was, uh, unbelievable. He was a, the pupil of Darizal. Darizal told him, he says, you know why you're coming back over here? In your previous life, your focus was like halacha or other things. He says, you, you're coming back here to, f- to fix the learning of the secrets of the Torah. In the previous life, you didn't do it. So now you have to learn the secrets of the Torah. And you have Rebuhuda, Fataya, these big righteous people, they say, you know, you know they, there are some righteous people that they know who they were in the previous life. And uh, they know that, okay, I was focused on that, now I'm going to focus on this. And how do you know what, what learning Torah you're focused to? What you're attracted to. If you're attracted to a certain learning Torah, go focus on that. Now I'm not talking about just learning about, you know, Sipuet Sadikim, you know, you're learning about righteous stories. Stories are great, and I say stories frequently, but it's not for the stories that I say, it's for the Torah that's underlining it. So the idea behind it is, is, is what Torah you like, uh, you feel most uh, um, uh, connected to, and you love learning that, that's what you should do. And again, the, the, the Torah, not, not just the, 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 the stories about, you know, the easy to turn the pages. and that. Even though that's good and it's important, but the main focus is the Torah, halakha, you know, different, uh, depending on what the people like Midrashim, people like uh, Chumash, people like Mara, depending on what, what, uh, what, you know, people like Musar, depends what it is, what you like, focus on that. Now, obviously, that shouldn't be said that, you know, okay, because you're focusing on that, forget about everything else. A Jew is required to learn halakhat. You are required to know all the laws. Otherwise, how are you going to be a good Jew? So, obviously, but the main focus is, after you do all the basic stuff, well, then, you know, then you can focus, you know, you, what you enjoy the most. Okay, so, um, and in fact, there are many people that, co- that would come back just for, you know, fixing one thing, and then they're done. And then, after they fix that, they're finished. The third uh, and final reason was for the sake of another individual, to rectify somebody else. So in this, Arizal says that a person over here was certainly not, uh, um, you know, sin. He's coming for the help of somebody else. Uh, but at this stage, it is very, very, very rare. So uh, I want to finish off with a, with a final story. On, um, you know, we mentioned earlier that you're coming back here to do something. Now, when you're coming back to do something, there is an, uh, once you do that, you, you, uh, uh, let me let me actually rephrase it. There are certain people. First of all, you never know what it is that you need to do. You never know that if you're about to do a mitzvah, it could be for that particular reason that you had to come back for for that one thing. I'll show you this amazing story. There was once a person who, well, not necessarily. Maybe you get a bonus round and you get extra. But the idea is, if you get if you finish what you need to do, then you know it's like you won the game. You won. You're a champion. So, Halavai, uh, that that should be that, uh, and in fact, there's some people that said, you know, like they were supposed to write up, you know, they're writing a lot of, of Svarib. So one of the rabbis says, listen, slow down. He says, you have to write these anyways. Why are you rushing up over here? You don't want some more time in this world? So. Can you not say, though, that a person doesn't die because maybe, like, it's sad that somebody dies, that person stays longer here, even if he finishes purpose, because he wants to, God wants to bring more good to the world. Yes, it's very possible some people uh, stay over here because of the effect that they have on other people. Yeah. If you come back next week, I have a story on that. That that uh, that's very important. Right. If uh, but you have to remind me that, and I'll I'll bring that. So um, I'll tell you the code. The code for that it's a spaceship, <laughs> spaceship story. 
um, on that. So, okay, remind me, I'll believe that. I won't have time because uh, today it's already getting late and I want to finish up with this, uh, with, the, with this final story. So the, um, the idea behind, behind this is that a person never knows what they're here in this world for. Now listen to this fascinating story. There was uh, once a, a person that was, uh, you know, very wealthy and he went and he used to give a lot of charity. He was a, you know, very kind-hearted person. And uh, one time, you know, he, somebody came over to him, knocked on, the, knocked on, his, on his door and he says, you know, can you please spare some charity? He says, he just gives him a really sad story, you know, like his, you know, his uh, family has no money and this and this and this problem, this problem, can you please give some money? And this wealthy person was in the middle of a very important business meeting and he was very tense, very stressed out. And he's like, and he's screaming, he's like, no, not now, uh, you have to come back later. I, I, and he slams the door on him and he walks away. And uh, he finishes the business meeting, and then uh, you know a short while goes by, and he sees like there's a uh, you know there's a lot of commotion right near his house, and he runs out and he says, "What's going on over here?" And he says, "You know there was a person that just passed out, and you know right near his house, and it turns out that this person died. He you know he died. Doctors came in and they said, you know what, you know he's so skin and bone, he's probably he probably died from starvation." And the guy, the rich man, looks at him and he's like, "Oh my gosh!" He says, "That's the guy who came to my house asking for money." He asked, he says, can you, can you give me something to eat if you can? And I, and I just slammed the door and he felt terrible. So he went over, you know, he felt terrible and he didn't know what to do. He went over to a rabbi and a very, very holy rabbi. And he goes over to the rabbi and says, what am I supposed to do? He says, I, this is what happened. So the rabbi, you know, concentrates for, for, for a few moments and sighs a few times. And he says, uh, let me tell you a story. So, gotta love the rabbis that come to you and you tell them, they tell you stories. Hey, you know it's gonna be a good story. So he tells him, he says, listen, he says, uh, there was once a person and had a very good friend. Let's call him Sam and Max. Sam and Max were best friends growing up. And uh, when they got of age and they, you know, they decided they're gonna go two different areas, they, they moved to two different towns. But uh, they were literally like brothers. And he said, listen, whatever you got, you know, made me like an oath. He's like, I got your back forever, you got my back forever. And they went on their ways. Meanwhile, Max became very, very successful. Business was flourishing for him. He was extremely, extremely successful. Sam, on the other hand, was not so successful. So he goes, uh, one day, you know, after years of Sam trying to build it up and not going any, he hears how successful Max is. He makes his trip over to the town of Max and he says, Max, listen, buddy. He says, you know, uh, you know, he goes over to him and he says, you know, first of all, they greet each other like, oh my God, my brother, how's it going? How's also, how's life? How's everything? And Sam says, listen, you know, it's, it's been a little bit difficult for me. He says, I, and I came here, and I feel bad asking this, but can you help me out? And, the, and Max says, for you, anything. He says, what's, what's going on? What do you need? And he says, listen, I tried so many business, not, everything's failing. And Max says, you know, he goes over to him, and he says, he grabs him by the shoulder, and says, he says, my dear brother, he says, I'll do anything for you. You ask me for a kidney, you get a kidney. He says, come into my house. He comes into his house, and he writes him a check for half his wealth. He says, God has made me very wealthy. He says, this is how much you mean to me. I'm giving half to you. The guy starts crying. He's like, oh my God. He's like, I can't believe that you're doing this for me. He starts hugging him and kissing him. He's like, I'll never forget it. He says, listen, I know you do the same for me. You're my brother. Take it. Go. And he goes and he makes his travels back and he starts building. You know, he has a lot of money now. He starts building up a business and he becomes successful. Sam becomes very successful. Meanwhile, a few years go by and Max, the table turns a little for him. He lost everything. Everything that he had, he lost. So he's going and he's sitting there. He's starving. His family doesn't have any food. And finally, he remembers. He's like, wait a minute. I have my friend Sam not too far away, a few towns over. He goes and he travels to Sam and he says, maybe he's doing okay. And he goes and he asks him where, where his friend Sam is. He sees this big mansion. He's like, oh, oh, Hashem, I know he'll help me out. He goes over and he knocks on the door and Sam opens up. And he says, oh, how are you? Good friend, how's everything? And uh, Max goes over to Sam and he says, listen, he says, uh, you know, I feel terrible doing this to you, uh, but can you help me out? He says, I'm, I'm, I'm down on my luck. I can't, nothing's going. So Sam is like, um, Sam looks o- over to him, uh, who has, he has the money now, and he's like, he's like, you want me to give you my hard work earned money? 
He's like, are you kidding me? What, what, what type of person do you think I am? He says, go work for your money. And Matt is looking wide. He's like, are you, he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, he's like, I, and before he even said anything, he's like, he's like, get out of here with your charity case. Slams the door and pushes him out. So Max is like, he's like, what's going on with this guy? He's like, you know what? Give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe something's going on. You know what? No hard feelings. He goes and he travels back to his town, tries a few businesses. Everything's failing. Finally, he hits it. He hits it. He makes it. He makes it. He makes everything that he made before and more. He had a golden opportunity. He struck it and it was extremely successful. And for years he's going, he's successful. Meanwhile, Sam's business fails and a few years go by and he loses everything. And he's like, what am I going to do now? He says, you know what? You know, you know what? I, I got, I, he, he travels back to Max. And he says, he goes to Max and he sees, you know, his friend Sam there. And Sam starts crying. And he's like, he's like, I, I, I'm too embarrassed to even come here. He says, and I wouldn't have come here unless I had no other choice. He's like, first of all, I, I want to apologize to you. He says, you gave me everything and I shut you down. He says, I feel terrible for that. And Max says, don't worry about it. I understand. It must have been a difficult situation. What can I do for you? And he says, you know, I'm down on my luck again and, and nothing is working. I keep, you're my last opportunity. Can you help me out? Max says, for you, anything, my brother. Writes him out a check for half his wealth. Take it. The guy hugs him. He says, I will never, Sam goes to him, I will never forget you. And Max says, don't worry about it. I know you won't. And he goes and they separate the ways. Meanwhile, a few years go by, tables turn again. Max now comes back to Sam. And Sam has the money. And Max says, you know, he's figured, okay, now he's going to give it to me. The second that Sam sees him, he slams the door, doesn't even open up. He calls one of the windows and says, like, get your filthy fifth off my, off my property. Get out of here. And this went on for another, another, uh, another, time, another round. He became wealthy, a back and forth. I'm not going to go through that. At the end, at the end, every time that Max gave him the money, Sam, you know, he forgave, he forgave him everything. But at the end, Max, Max passed away and Sam passed away. Max passed away poor, Sam passed away, uh, you know, on the wealthy side. They come up for heaven. And they both come up before God. And God says, are you kidding me? He says, this guy gave you everything like four times. You couldn't even give them once? And the guy says, what can I do? I apologize. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I was like, so Max, with such a golden heart of a guy, he says, don't worry about it. He says, I forgive him. He says, it, it's fine. I know. I don't want him to get punished because of that. I really love him. I really appreciate him. I, I, I don't mind the money. And, you know, they stay up in heaven. He says, listen, over here you can't forgive. Only down below you can forgive. Once you get up to heaven, the game is over. It's closed. And, you know, we review the stats. He says, oh, you can't, there's no more changing up here. So Sam, uh, so, so, so they, they tell Sam, he said, listen, he says, you're going to have to go for a very, very long term in a certain place that's not so comfortable. And Max says, listen, he says, can we do anything? Is there anything that we can do? So they tell him, he says, listen, he says, we do have an option. He says, we could send you back to this world again. And this, Max, you who are so kind, you are going to, if you're coming back to this world, you're coming back to this world, but you're not going to have a lot of money. Sam is going to have a lot of money, and his rectification is he's going to, you're going to come to him one day, and he has to give you money and charity, and if he does that, it's rectified. So Sam says, I agree. And they tell him, listen, of course we know you agree. We've got to ask Max. Max, do you agree? And he says, listen, I really don't want my friend to suffer so much. Send me back down. And the guy says, you know, I'll never forget you. <laughs> but guess what happens? They go back to this world. And the rabbi now is telling the story, and he looks at him, and he says, and he looks at this wealthy guy, and he says, you're Sam. And that guy that passed away was Max. Your whole purpose of coming to this world was just to give money to that poor person, and you messed it up. And the guy faints. The guy hears that, he faints. He's like, he, you know, he, he wakes up, and he's revived, and he's like, he's like, you know, rabbi, what am I supposed to do? I'm such a what, tell me what I could do. Rabbi said, listen, I don't know. He says, what you could possibly do as a possible is support his widow and his children very handsomely for the rest of their lives. And that's what he did. The idea from this story is so important. is like, you don't know what's the one thing that you came for this world. 
You don't know if it's one thing that you have to do a kindness. You don't know if it's one extra learning that you have to do. You don't know if it's one chesed that you have to extra do. You never know what's the one thing. And you know what the strongest way to become a better person is? You think to yourself that every single thing is like, maybe I came back to this world for this purpose. Maybe I came back to this world to do this good. Maybe I came back to do this good. And if you live that way, you will be granted that you will be actually complete the thing that you have to actually come and complete to do. Thank you very much. Questions? Depends. If it's out of your control, yeah, a person has to be. You know, there's an obligation. That a person has to be happy. You know, people don't realize that you have an obligation to be happy. So, um, and now you have to have, be happy with mitzvot. You have to do a Torah mitzvot with happiness. And nowadays, it's very hard. I speak to people almost, constantly. Constantly comes to me people that are not. They're not happy. Yeah, low self-esteem, depression, or you know, anxiety. So many, so many issues, so common nowadays, and it's very unfortunate. It's something that we, have, you know, everybody. We all need to work on these things. We all need to work on becoming better and happier people. That might be in your your, your tough kid. So bezalat Hashem, we should all go easy. We should know our purpose in life, and we should accomplish it the, the first time, so we don't have to come back anymore. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.